Well, once again, I think today is the last Wednesday of the month, which means that is the um, it's um, our our week of question and answer. So get your questions on everything that has been taught throughout the month. If you have any questions, get ready to ask. But before we do that, let's get into a bit of the word, as we always will do. So this month we've been looking at, I am from above, therefore I am above all. Praise the Lord. Therefore I am above all. I don't know about you, but my origin is not the earth. My origin is from heaven. We were establishing last Wednesday, we were looking at being spiritually minded, praise God, being spiritually minded. And uh, we started looking at the fact, in the, the, some facts in Colossians, the book of Colossians. So let's quickly go to the book of Colossians. Um, this time around, I want us to take it from Colossians chapter 1, um, from the verse number 19. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind, by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Hallelujah. The scripture says he has presented us holy, unblameable and unreprovable. In his sight. Also. If ye continue in the faith. Grounded and settled. And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Which ye have heard. And which was preached to every creature. Which is under heaven. Whereof I Paul. Am made a minister. Who now rejoice in my sufferings. For you. And fill up. That which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. I'm praying for you that you will also fulfill the word of God according to this dispensation given to you. Paul was given the dispensation to minister the gospel to the heathen, to those that were those that were in Colossae, and he's seeing. And this is a church he has never seen physically with his physical eyes, but by the grace of God through one of his trusted men, this church was planted. So he's writing to them, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his sense, 
to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So one of the works of a pastor, the minister, is to preach, to warn, to teach in all wisdom. To preach, to warn, and to teach in all wisdom. Praise the Lord. To teach in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect. The word perfect there is the word mature in Christ Jesus. So the focus of Bible study, the focus of preaching, the focus of warning, the focus of teaching is to present men mature. Mature about what? Mature concerning who they are in Christ Jesus. Christ did everything, presented us in his body, unreprovable, holy, unreprovable, and unblameable in his sight. We ought to live as such. Hallelujah. We ought to live as such. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. And then last week we stopped at the point where we were looking at um, the chapter 2. Chapter 2, we said, For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. So this is a church that they have not seen his face in the flesh. That their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love. And unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding. To the acknowledgement of the mystery of God. And of the Father and of Christ. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you. With enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ Jesus or in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. Walk ye in him. That's what I'm going to be talking about tonight. Walk ye in him. As ye have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. So there is a walk of the believer in Christ. This is not what Christ would do for you. This is not the Holy what the Holy Spirit would do for you. The Holy Spirit will cause you both to will and to do. Of his good pleasure. In other words, the Holy Spirit will encourage you. The Holy Spirit will strengthen you. The Holy Spirit will push you towards doing. But you do it. You are the one that does it. And the way you do it. Sorry, you are the one that do it. Okay, praise the Lord. Sorry about that language. But the way you do it is to allow your mind or the body and the soul to conform to the real you, the spirit in you. So, verse 6 says, um, sorry, yes, we're looking 
at verse um, so walk ye in him verse 6 verse 7 says rooted and built up in him and established in the faith rooted and built up in him so for you to walk in him there is what will happen to you for you to be able to walk well in him number one you must be rooted in him number two you must be built up in him rooted in him has to do with a tree how a tree is planted the bible talks about they that be planted in the house of the lord shall flourish in the courts of our god you would not flourish if you are not rooted that means that as a believer you ought to find a place where you are pastured you are planted you are watered so that you flourish in other words you need a place to be rooted you don't transplant yourself from place to place you are planted and the planting is what causes you to be flourishing those that be planted and he tells us where to be planted the house of the lord so we are rooted in the house of the lord shall flourish in the courts of our god this is what causes you know when the bible talks about trees it's talking about people in the scriptures and this is what causes us that when even you are cut down the bible says that when a tree is cut down at the scent of water it shall bud because that tree is near water it will bud you can't be rooted unless you have sufficient watering so that is why you have to be planted in the house of our god and then number two you must be built up in him to be built up in him is to be built up like an edifice the way we get built up in him is to be built up in the spirit the bible talks about and you my beloved building up yourselves on your most holy faith praying in the holy ghost so the way we are built up is through the instrument of prayer we pray as well as children of god planted in the house of the lord hallelujah so jude 1 20 tells us what building up yourselves or the greek word is oiko oiko domio oiko domio building up yourself building into an edifice but how do you do it by praying in the holy ghost but we build on our most holy faith so your faith is strengthened in the place of prayer not just any type of prayer praying in the holy ghost or praying in the spirit and established in the faith now the way we are established in the faith when the scripture talks about the faith there is the common faith that every man receives romans 12 3 tells us that god has dealt to every man the measure of faith now there is the measure of faith 
that is dealt to every man at new birth. But when the scripture talks about their common faith, it is talking about that faith of the gospel. Hallelujah. It's talking about what? The faith of the gospel. The faith of the gospel. The faith of the gospel. So, as you have received him, walk in him. The way we walk in him is to be rooted, number one. Two, to be planted. Rooted means that you are established in the house of the Lord. Now, you cannot be as you cannot feed well unless you are established. You cannot take your church activities, church attendance. It's very important. All these are very, very important for your growth. For you to even know who you are, you must have sufficiently lived in the city where you were born in. Hallelujah. Now, you would have, you must sufficiently live in the country you were born in. You can be born somewhere else and be a citizen of somewhere. But you see, for you to really know where you came from, the culture of where you came from, you need to be acclimatized yourself with the environment. This is where the rooting comes in. You need to acclimatize yourself with the church, the body of Christ, the people of God. The Bible talks about how some people have a bad manner. Their manner is that they don't attend church services. It says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves as the manner of some is. We find this in the book of Hebrews. Do you know what? Do not forsake the assembling of the brethren as the manner of some is. Amen? So it is a manner. It is it is a habit. The moment you start missing services once, twice, thrice, it becomes very easy for you to miss services without feeling anything. And in these days where you have internet fellowship, it becomes very easy to just say, oh, let me worship on the internet. But the scripture says that when they got born again, in the Acts of Apostles, chapter 2, verse 42, the Bible says what? They gathered, they gathered, they gathered, praise God, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' what? Doctrine and in fellowship. Fellowshipping is where we fellow and ship together. We must be fellows that are in a ship. That is called fellowship. And in breaking of bread. And in prayers. Now I'll show you the reason why these are very important. To be rooted is very important. To, to also be built up is important. All these are found in the house of the Lord. They continued in apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. Why? Together. Praise God. Now, this is how you avoid being tossed to and fro. This is how you avoid enticing words. As ye have been taught. So it says, and then verse, and the third one is what? To be established in the faith. And I said to be established in the faith means to be established in the common faith. 
that is to be established in the gospel. The way to be established in the gospel is through the word of God. Faith is established. Your faith grows. And the growing faith is grown in the word. Is grown in the word. Faith, the scripture tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hallelujah. Faith cometh. Now, but the original would have read that faith is, 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 is the comet is put in bracket because that was not originally, originally there. So you would have read, so then faith, by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So by the word of Christ, as you hear, the, your faith is built up onto the point where your faith is established. This is what the, the, the ministers of the gospel are supposed to do. And they, they can't do it effectively unless you are planted. Praise God. The ministers of the gospel cannot do this effectively unless you are planted. How? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, 13, 14. Let's, let's read that quickly. Ephesians 4, 12, 13. It's for, for the perfecting of the saints. Now, if you read the verse 11, it says, He gives some apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, and what have you. Why? Verse 12. For the perfecting. The perfecting here means the maturing of the saints. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. For what reason? You see column there? The reason is this. Verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. The faith. So your faith is established. The faith is established. The common faith of the gospel of Christ is established in you in the place of teaching. In the place of no knowledge. In the place of the wisdom of God that is passed on to you through the vehicle of teaching. And of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. What perfect man? Mature man. This is what Paul was still telling them in Colossae. That he, because Christ wants to, go, he wants to present us perfect. That we prevent, present every man what? Perfect. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Praise God. So let's let's stay here. As ye have been taught, so all this is based on what has been taught. As ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So abound in these principles with thanksgiving. As you have been taught, so it's something that must be taught. Now, so being rooted is not automatic. You must be taught. Being built up in him is not automatic. You must be taught. Your faith is not established automatically. You are taught. When you are not taught or schooled in the things of the spirit, you behave like a carnal man. Now, let, let, let's read on. So, verse says, so it says what? Abounding therein or becoming very abundant in that, those things with thanksgiving. Then it says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Now, they had Gnostics that came into the church to teach them about only scientific knowledge, okay? Canal knowledge, knowledge that is based on just observation of things and not based on Christ and the knowledge of Christ. So, Paul is warning them, be, beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy 
and vain deceit after the tradition of men. They were teaching them traditional African religion or traditions of men after the rudiments of the world. So this is based on the world sense knowledge and not after Christ. Verse 9 says, For in him, in who? In Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Earlier on, it says, For in Christ dwells, for it pleased the Father that in Christ should all fullness dwell. Chapter 2, he now tells us what the fullness means. The fullness of the Godhead bodily. So in Christ dwells the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These Gnostics didn't teach this. They were teaching against this. They did not understand the mystery of the Godhead. And so they were teaching things that were anti-Christ. But the scripture says, in Christ, Paul is telling us now here that in Christ is the fullness of the Godhead. So God the Father dwells in Christ. God the Holy Spirit dwells in Christ. So when you go to heaven today, you're not going to see three personalities. You're going to see one person seated on the throne. He's called the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. In the fullness, because in him dwelleth the Godhead bodily. So the physical expression of the Godhead is in Christ, our Lord. Very important. Verse 10. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made with our hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Hallelujah. So he's teaching something very instructive here in the verse number 11. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Now, he is teaching this um, Gentile Christians that your circumcision is not physical circumcision. The Jews brought in traditions and part of the traditions they brought to the Gentile church was that they must be circumcised physically. And he's telling them that, look, it has nothing to do with the physical circumcision of hands in the put, but what? In the putting off of the body of sins of the flesh, but by the circum, this is how Christ did it. Now, so just as the physical circumcision is the cutting of the foreskin of the manhood of a young male child, okay, the foreskin is removed so that the thing will be very beautiful. And very appetizing when even it is not working. Mm -hmm. So is it just as a young man's um, equipment? Uh, the foreskin is removed, okay, in putting off the body of the of the sins of the flesh. So just as that foreskin is removed, the same way Christ became that foreskin, that sin of the flesh. Because sin was placed on Christ and Christ was sin was judged in the flesh of Christ and on the spirit of Christ. So Christ became the circumcision of the believer, not the physical circumcision. So he is telling them, don't follow the teachings of the traditions of men. The Jewish tradition was that every man should physically cut off. And he's saying that cutting off was what Christ did in his body. Now let's 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 read on to, to understand the, 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 the nitty-gritty of it. Um 
and this he did to establish his authority over principalities and powers. Praise God. Now, verse 12 says, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. So he now telling them that this all took place when Christ died and was buried. So the circumcision of the flesh took place in our baptism into his death. In other words, when he died, we died. When he rose, wherein as well, as ye are risen, so we rose with him when he rose through the faith of the operation of God. In other words, God did this. This happened through the operation of the Spirit of God. This is what the, the book of Romans 8, 11 says, that um, what the same Spirit that rose Christ from the grave, if that same Spirit dwells in you, that same Spirit will quicken your mortal bodies, your mortal bodies, by His Spirit that lives, that dwells in you. So the Holy Spirit lives and dwells in us. Praise God. The Holy Spirit lives and dwells in us. And so you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. So he's now bringing it home that you were dead and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He's looking at the cutting of that false king as how we were dead and we were in sin. Has he quickened? So we have been quickened now. We have been brought alive. How? Together with him. Having forgiven you all trespasses. Now the way we were quickened and have been brought alive together is through the Holy Spirit which we read in Romans 8, 11. Okay? So we have come alive. We have come alive unto God. We are dead to sins and the sins of the flesh, the uncircumcision of the flesh, the false king that represented death in the Jewish man to the Gentile is what Christ became. Christ became that death that took out, that was taken away and cut off, killed, removed. Blood was shed. When the blood was shed, he died. That false king dies. And then out you see, the way it works with the male organ is that when the foreskin is removed, that foreskin is thrown away, it dies. Then underneath it, a new skin grows. That new skin is new, fresh. It's the same way Christ has become that life to us. So we have a new skin, new foreskin, having forgiven you all trespasses. This, when he did, the scripture says, we have been forgiven all our trespasses. Not some, all. Past, present, future. We shall talk about that another day. Let's go on verse 14. Bloating out the handwriting of ordinances. So he's now telling them how he did it, even taking away the law. The handwriting of ordinances that was against us is the Old Testament, the law which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So that it was the Old Testament that was that 
handwriting that was against us. Praise God. Romans 2.15 says, Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments. Amen? Romans 2.15 Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in ordinances. So when he talks about the ordinances, the handwriting of ordinances, he's talking about what? The law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twine one new man so make him peace this is what we looked at last week he made peace praise god he made peace verse 16 says and that he might reconcile both unto god in one body by the cross having slain the enmity thereby and the both there he's talking about the jew and the gentiles so he's telling the gentiles you are the same as the jew today the jew had his physical foreskin removed. You have your spiritual foreskin removed. Both of you are now one because he did it for the Jew by nailing the law that made that a requirement, a tradition of men, nailed it to the cross. And you, that is a Gentile that didn't have that law, he brought you in without that by he himself becoming your foreskin spiritually so that he can bring all of us so the enmity between us not becoming one is the law the law was the gap that made the jew to feel like he's special and made the gentile to feel like he doesn't qualify the lord says christ made us his qualification christ became the bridge between the jew and the gentile to reconcile that he might reconcile both unto him in one body, the twine, the two becoming one, the Jews, the Gentiles. So that's what the scripture says in Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. There is neither male nor female. Hallelujah. There is no Jew or Gentile. So if you have a, the, this traditional mindset that if I have a pastor that is a woman or a female, that pastor cannot pastor me. You have not understood the gospel in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Praise God. You are one in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. So, the verse number 14 says, Took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. In what? In what he did. Verse 16. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink. This is how the Colossian church was suffering. They came to preach to them Judaism and Gnosticism. They came Gnosticism. They came to preach to them that they, certain meat you can eat, certain meat you can eat or in drink. So Paul is taking them, telling them as a spiritual man, you you judge all things, okay? But you are judged by none. So he says, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day, the Sabbath day. Sabbath day. So they tell you, look, this is a Sabbath day. He's saying Christ has become our Sabbath. So there is no holy day, no Sabbath day, nor of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, okay? Holy days, 
holy days, special holy days, the feast of tabernacle, feast of trumpets, feast of days must be observed. He says, let no man judge you in this. In other words, you must have a free conscience to worship the Lord. The scripture says we are the circumcision that worship the Lord in spirit, not in the flesh, which are a shadow. He calls all these things that were happening in the Old Testament a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. Hallelujah. But it says what? When it comes to the Christian body, the body of Christ, it is of Christ. Christ is the fulfillment of all the shadows. Christ is a real for all the shadow. Then he goes on to say, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and in worshipping of angels. These were some of the things these Gnostics were teaching. They were teaching people to worship angels. We don't worship angels. No matter how fantastic angels are, the Bible says that we are one with Christ. He says, which of the angels said he at any time, sit thou at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. Angels are called servants that are meant to serve. Angels are ministering spirits. They are our servants that serve us in the gospel. They serve us in the name of Christ. Hallelujah. So in the name of Jesus and ministering spirits or angels are called ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who shall be heirs of salvation. We are heirs of salvation. And as heirs, the scripture says we are joint heirs with Christ. So as joint heirs with Christ, we share 100%, 100%, not 50-50. Joint heir means we are, we whatever Christ has, we have. These angels serve Christ. Therefore, they serve us. That's why the believer is also called Christ. Praise God. This is the kingdom we come from. Angels serve us. We don't worship angels. So he's telling them, let no man teach you that you must worship one angel. So you have special angels and their names and how you must worship them. No. You must be aware of angels, aware of their ministry to us, aware that they are there to help us and engage their ministry, but not worship angels intruding into those things which he has not seen. So he's saying that these people teaching these things, they are entering into things they have, they don't even have any experience of. Vainly proofed up by their fleshly mind. So when the scripture talks about the flesh, it's referring to a particular kind of mindset. It says a fleshly mind, praise God, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment, nourishment ministered and knit together. He says that we are joined to the head, Christ Jesus. And so when you don't recognize Christ as the head of the church and you are beginning to now project angels and project special angels, project special entities as ones that are higher than Christ, the scripture says that you are an antichrist. You do not teach Christ. Amen. And, but we all, as part of the body, by joints and bands, we have our nourishment, we have our feeding through Christ. We are knitted together and we increase with the increase of God in Christ. You will not increase outside Christ. Any increase that is outside Christ is a false increase. Any increase outside Christ is an increase that is not of God. Praise God. 
Verse 20. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? So he's telling them, because you come from heaven and you were dead with Christ, you were dead to all these rudiments that we have just talked about. Why are you, even though you are living in this world, are you now subject to these rudiments? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all to which all are to perish with the using. It is all these things, anything that has to do with touch, the senses, they perish with the using. But we are the circumcision that worship God in the spirit. Hallelujah. Which all are to perish with the using. After the commandments and doctrines of men. So there are teachings of men. Doctrines are called teachings and commandments of men. Touch not, wear not, do this, bow this. He says, no, we are not subject to these ordinances. Verse 23, we things have indeed a show of wisdom in will worship. That's what is called will worship and humility and neglecting of the body not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh, something that makes you feel and have a sense of worship, a sense of humility, and yet it is not of the spirit, a sense of honor to satisfy the flesh. No. Chapter 3 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Why? He that cometh from above is above all. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. That's where we are seated with him. So he says, seek the things that are heavenly, not the things that are earthly. There are earthly things. Do this. Don't do this. Do that. Don't do that. These are earthly things. Don't wear this. Wear this. Women that wear trousers are going to hell. Women that don't wear trousers are going to heaven. All this, are they perish with the using. So particular days, don't go to church. Particular day, come to church. They perish. This is not part of the New Testament teaching. Praise God. Now, so where Christ sitteth, verse 2, says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, or your appetite, your mind, on the things above. Verse 3 says, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. The reason is simple. Because we are dead to the earthly things. Our life is hid with Christ in God. I'm taking you, through the, I'm taking you in a walk through the book of Colossians now. Very instructive. Praise God. You, you are dead with Christ. Your life is dead with Christ. And you are alive to Christ. Your life is dead. To the world, but alive to Christ, and your life is hid with Christ in God. That's why Paul said in Galatians 2 20 that what I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. How I live in the physical flesh. And this yet not I. The I is talking about is the spirit man, but Christ liveth in me. The spirit of God liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, in the physical, where I'm able to touch things and feel things around, I live 
by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. So we live to please him, not to please men. Praise God. That's very important. Now, verse number four. For ye are dead in your life, and your life, I beg your pardon, is hidden with Christ, is hid with Christ in God. For says, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. When Christ, who is our life, your life is Christ and is above. That's why you are above all. Then he says, now concerning the physical, being in the flesh, he says, mortify. The word mortify yet means deaden, kill. Okay, to deaden or to kill, to mortify, is to deaden or to kill. It's the Greek word nikro. Nikro means to subdue, okay, to make dead, to subdue, to be deadened. So mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, because our life is in heaven. Then it says fornication. So these are the things we control. We control fornication. We subdue our body. Against fornication, we, form, con, we, 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 we subdue our body against all forms of uncleanliness. We subdue our body against inordinate affections. When we talk about inordinate affections, it talks about affections that are not appropriate. Okay, Affections or, or what we call concupiscence, inordinate or lustful affections, evil concupiscence. Okay? And covetousness. Can you give me this version in another version, a softer English? It might help. Um, uh, okay, yeah. Impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Um, yes, this is okay. Message, and that means killing of everything connected with that way of death. So everything that is connected to that way of death, the way we die, the foreskin removed, sexual promiscuity. Impurity, lust, that is impurities, all form of uncleanness, lust, evil concupiscence, doing whatever you feel like, whenever you feel like it, you have, you are alive without breaks, no control, where there is no control to your physical life, he says no, the reason is this, we live by the spirit, not by the flesh, so we can control our desires. We can control how we feel. Whenever we don't do things, whenever we feel like, anyhow and any way. No. It says control this physical body. And grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. Anything that attracts your fancy, you want to grab. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. Praise God. A life shaped by feelings and things instead of by God. Now, then it says, evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry. Verse 6, for we things sake, the wrath of God cometh. It says, for we things sake, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. It says, because of this, the result and the fruit of these things, this is why the wrath of God has come on the children. The wrath of God here is not talking about God being angry with anybody. What he's trying to say here is that the wrath of God is coming on the children of disobedience. The wrath is already programmed in who they are, their nature. They are called children of disobedience. Disobedience to what? To the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when you don't have 
the gospel, there are certain restraints you will never be able to have. With the gospel, the anointing, the power of God is able to cause you both to will and to do. But when you are not, then the wrath of God is already on. Now, the people, the children of disobedience are people already programmed for hell. If you are programmed for hell and you have not received Christ, that is what, where the wrath of God is. The wrath of God is not like he's coming to, he's putting something on you and, and making you have misfortune. It's a lie. Other than that, people that are in the world will not be doing well. Some are doing even far better than believers when it comes to physical things and grabbing physical things. The Bible calls them the children of this world. And in their world, they are wiser than the children of, of, of the light. Now, so that is not what he's saying. The wrath of God here is referring to the wrath that comes upon the children of disobedience. People that will die and go to hell. That is the wrath of God that is already on people that reject the gospel. They are called the children of disobedience. Verse 7, in the which ye also walked some time. So you, you see? So he's talking about when, where you used to be, the old man, when ye lived in them. Verse 8, but now, but now, but now, but now, ye also, he says, now that you are born again. This, that was the life you used to, but now, you also that are born again. Can you give me this in a softer English, maybe message again? But you now better now. You, you know better. Sorry, you know better. So make sure it's all gone for good. You know better. So bad temper, take it away. Irritability, take it away. Meanness, being mean like a rattlesnake, take it away. Profanity, take it away. Dirty talk, take it away. Put these things away, put them off. These are the things we put off. You do it. By the help of the Spirit, you do it. You take away bad temper. By the help of the Spirit, you take away irritability. By the help of the Spirit, you take away meanness. By the help of the Spirit, you take away profanity and dirty talk. Go on, please. Next verse 9. Don't lie to one another. You are done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you have stripped off and put in the fire. So the thing you have stripped it off and put in the fire, don't go back for something that is already in the fire burning. Amen? Verse 10. Now, you are dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. He says there are certain clothes that some of the clothes we used to wear in the 70s hold my ties, leave my leg. All those ones, they are old fashioned. You see, they are out of fashion. It's the same way the old life is out of fashion. There's a new life. The new life is with new dressing style, fashioned after God. Praise the Lord. I love this. He says, lie one, not one to another. I've talked a little bit about it last week. And have put on the new man. We have put on the new man. The new man is the new spirit, the new creation, which is renewed. And how are we renewed? We are renewed in knowledge. We renew our mind in knowledge after the image of him that created us. And the image of him that created us is God. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision. So he says, in our renewing our mind, stop looking at people based on where they come from, who they are, whether they are Gentiles or Jew, where there is neither Greek 
nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian or Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all in all. Hallelujah. Christ is where? All in all. And I want to read the last one, um, last, last about two verses, and then we take questions. Then it says, put on therefore as the elect of God. Put on. This is what we put on. Holy and beloved, bowels of mercy. He says we are, the, we are called the elect of God, holy and beloved. We are in the beloved. So we are part of the beloved family. We are part of that holy family. He says put on bowels of mercies. Be, be able to show mercy. Some believers are so merciless. He says we must have these qualities of mercy. Kindness. We must be kind. These are the things we put on. We put on kindness. It's not something that will come on you. You, 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 you become kind by practicing kindness. You become merciful by practicing merciness. Be, be merciful, praise God. Be kind. Humbleness of mind. Humbleness of mind comes by practice. You, you choose. Because if you allow yourself, you can become cocky. You can become so full of yourself. You would think you are so, you can become so egoistic. You can become so, so high-minded. Meekness. Long suffering. Suffering long. Can you give me this verse in another version? Softer English. So chosen by God for this new life. Of love, okay, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. And what is our dressing? So when we show up, the dress we wear must be compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength. What means a disciplined mind? You're not all over the place, so noisy, quiet strength, disciplined. We must be disciplined. Can you give me an amplifier, please, if you can? It says, clothe yourselves, therefore, as God's own chosen ones, his own picked representatives, who are purified and holy and well-beloved by God himself, by putting on behavior marked by. Now, remember, as a Christian, it is not your behavior that shows that you are a Christian. You are first born again inside. It's the inside life that we live outside. So it's not your change of behavior that makes you a born again. It is your spirit man that is transformed that makes you a born again. That transformed spirit now begins to put on the right behavior. Amen. So it is the spirit transformed from inside that causes the right behavior. Not the right behavior meaning that you are born again. That like with the song we use, the things I used to do, I do them no more. I mean, that, that is not a proof that you are born again. Because in a very short while, if you are not, if the, the life inside does not affect the outside, the things you used to do, you will do them now more and do and overdo them. If the spirit inside does not give you the restraint by putting on behavior marked by tender-hearted pity, Tender heart, let your heart be soft. Some of us, our hearts are too hard. You see, let our hearts be soft. 
Let the Spirit of God work on your heart. Mercy, kind feeling, kind feeling. Be able to feel and let that feeling be kindness. A lowly opinion of yourself. Don't be too high-minded. Don't think that you are too something when you are nothing. Hallelujah. Men are, are who they are by what the Spirit of God has made us. The day the Spirit leaves that body, you are just like any other person. Gentle ways, patience, which is tireless and long-suffering and has the power to endure whatever comes with good temper. So whatever is coming to you, you are not ruffled. You are not angry. Your, your temper is not all over the place. You come along with a good temper. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Then verse 13. Very important. This is where we end. Be gentle and forbearing with one another. Let's be gentle and forbear with one another. If one has a difference, a grievance, or complaint against another, readily pardoning each other, even as the Lord has freely forgiven you, so must you also forgive. This, this, is, this, this is what we put on. We put on forgiveness. You are, you, 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 you are a believer and you cannot forgive. This means you have not put on this cloth yet. Put it on. It says be gentle and forbearing with one another. You see another believer, you can't express love towards them. You can't express goodwill towards them. You can't even greet another believer. You can't stand a believer. You call yourself a believer. You are sick. Put on. It says put on. There's no amount of whatever a believer would do to you should make you look like an unbeliever. Be gentle. The Bible says what? Forbearing with one another. Forbear. Forbear. No matter what, how bad it is, you get to that point. The Bible says, just as Christ has forgiven us. There are many things we do against Christ. Every day and he forgives us. For you, the little thing they did against you, you are praying that God scatter them. God break their leg. God finish them. And the scripture says, just as Christ has readily forgiven you, forgive them. Pardon them. Pardoning each other, even as the Lord has freely forgiven you, so must you also forgive. I'll end here. And I'll take questions. Well, on that note, let's take some questions. Um, I'm done here. So, the, this, this is how we put, we put on the new life. The new life is, 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 I've walked you through almost all the book of Colossians. Um, we just have chapter 4 to, to, to go. But I, I want you to see what we have here. Okay? Now, it says in the verse number 14, and above all this, Above all these things, put on charity. Charity means love, that agape love. Put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. You want to know how mature you are? <laughs> bond of perfectness. And above all this, put on love. And then fold yourselves with the bond of perfectness, which binds everything together completely in ideal harmony. That this is a proof. Remember, it says what? To bring, to, to bring all men perfect. The way we are perfected is to walk in love. This is the only commandment Christ gave us. It says, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye love one another. Loving one another is not fake love, genuine love, love from a, an unfeigned heart. 
Love that is genuine from a heart that is unfeigned. This is how we live the spirit life. This is how we walk the spirit life. Where we are not moved by how we feel. This is what they did to me. So because of that, you became touchy. You are now like yesterday's banku. I cannot be touched. Or yesterday's uh, fufu. Now you have become so sticky. Anything, anybody that touches you, you are sticky. No. 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 I say no. I say no. No. We must learn this. Get, I mean, become, become, walk in the bond of perfectness. It is love. And the scripture says love covers multitude of sins. It doesn't matter what anybody has done to you. You cannot make what somebody has done to you become too important that you forget what Christ did for us. Praise God. Well, 